Well, hello, and welcome to another Podcast Valley Sunday. I am one of your hosts, Chris Paco. I am the other host, Jeff Cameron. How's it going, Jeff? It's pretty darn good. How about you, Paco? Doing well, doing well. It's nice. To, it's getting brisk, brisk in the air. It's a... Ooh, chillsome it is. <laughs> I'll take it. Hoodie weather is the best weather. It is, especially after the summer. Like, even in the spring, because you shed the jacket, you're in the hoodies, you're excited. And in this fall, you've shed, like, sweating all the time, put on a hoodie. It's always good. But here we are. This is the last episode of the season, of season How one. How about that? I can't episode, believe it. Yep, episode 32, Monkeys on Tour. Yes, I think, I believe this one's probably a, a fan favorite for every fan. Definitely. They love Monkeys on Tour. I've been looking forward to getting to this one the whole season. <laughs> for a number of reasons, yes. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just so cool. It's like uh, you take the monkeys out of the the screen, you take them out of the box, and you see them mm-hmm. in real life. And they shot it on film, and it just has that that real feel to it. Yeah, totally. And it's fun. It's also fun because they always seem to be getting along with each other, <laughs> which is always fun. Definitely. And uh, yeah, no, it's a uh, great times. Great times. This episode. May as well get right into it. It's uh, written and directed by Bob Rafelson, this episode, mm-hmm. and uh, originally aired on April 24th, 1967. It leads up to big things. Like, A, the monkeys are riding the highest probably ever, almost. For real. This, this episode will be set up a little differently because, A, the episode itself is different from every other episode. And also, there was so many commentaries... Uh, and so much information coming in. We'll be going through it like, not like, oh, and then Davey does this, and then Mickey does this, and then Peter cries, and then someone has a gun. <laughs> it, it'll be more you know, of a... Wow, you you just described about 13 of the episodes, yeah. at least. And then gangsters show up in a haunted mansion. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so get ready for that. So it's a, a very special podcast, Valley Sunday, let's say that. Of course. <laughs> they're all special in their own way. Yes, it's true. They're it's like, like they're like snowflakes. Yes, or kids. <laughs> so I'm hurt. So I'm told. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like when you're done with kids and they melt in spring and you don't have to shovel them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite part. <laughs> so it's... we we open up and Davy's sitting in like a rocking chair at the pad, doing this heartfelt thank you to everyone for watching. Hello. This is the last show of the season, and we'd really like to thank you for watching. A lot of groovy things have happened to us this year, and we really appreciate it. You've got to think about, from the, when the Monkees pilot aired, and these four dudes had this, this gig, finally, like, oh, a steady gig, this will be cool. Mm-hmm. And cut to April, when they've put out three records, they're going on tour, they've met the Beatles, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. what an insane year for those four guys. Oh, and... Yeah. Uh, I couldn't even imagine it. I couldn't imagine the <laughs> life change they went through during this thing. And then, like, Mickey, Peter, and Mike, they're all dressed as old men. And uh, and you can see that Mike and Peter have real beards underneath their, their fake beards. Yep, this is headquarters times. Yeah. No, and it's, it's fantastic looking. And uh, then uh, Davey says they want to show what takes place on the day of a concert. And that's... That's essentially what this yeah, episode is. They set this up really well. Yeah. 
And um, just get right into it. I had to explain it and thank the fans. And hey, here's this. All right. So in, in the Bobby Hart commentary, it was. It was I got to say, it was kind of sad whenever he talks about. He says, "Oh, my my partner Tommy Boyce," because obviously Tommy Boyce yeah, is no longer yeah. with us. And uh, and he talks about writing the monkeys theme and how they came up with it while they were walking down the street to a park <laughs> so they could write it. And that's where that line came from, I guess, while they were walking, which is kind of funny. And it was the first song they came up with for the Monkees. And they came up with that and the Kellogg's commercial, which is also included on the Blu-ray version of this. Like after Davey's intro thing, it goes into the Kellogg's commercial. The Monkees, brought to you by Kellogg's. They said that they produced the Kellogg's commercial and wrote the song. And in Peter's commentary, he says, I'm Peter Tork. I'm a former member of the Monkees, <laughs> which I thought was a funny <laughs> way of saying it. <laughs> I'm not sure when he recorded this commentary because they, they kind of have different commentary times recorded for different collections. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, some of these are they're not new to this uh, package. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think Mike's is probably the most recent. Because he comes out of the box pretty hilarious, <clears throat> saying with wordplay on reminiscences. <laughs> he's like, he says it like six times. Yeah, yeah. And he and he's essentially saying like they couldn't believe how popular they became as a real band. Like that mm-hmm. was never in the cards at the beginning, and now all of a sudden they're going on tour and they're doing all this stuff, and it's oh, such yeah. a trip. So there's the aforementioned Kellogg's commercial happens, and it's 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 funny to watch. And it's it's a funny jingle and stuff. It's just neat to see that in there. It's neat. It's neat to see the the parachute out the back of the monkey mobile, and of course, it says Kellogg's on it. Yeah, of course, it doesn't say monkeys or screen gems or anything. It says <laughs> Kellogg's. <laughs> I wonder how Kellogg's worked that in. We need a logo in there somewhere. Well, we're holding the boxes. No, no, something bigger like a parachute. <laughs> well, we got one of those on the back of the monkey mobile. Put our logo on it, and then rock the film back and forth. <laughs> so anyway we uh there's the intro and, and uh, we cut back to the airport there's a whole bunch of kids who are going crazy and they talk to some girls who are really excited and they said they didn't even know this was happening this happened so fast so they're holding like a little picture of the monkeys and they talk to one girl who says it's the monkeys i thought it was the rolling stones not only is it awesome she said that, but it's awesome they kept that in. Like, the, I think that shows them, uh, they're t- almost like they know what they are to people. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah, could poke yeah. fun at themselves. Like, this girl thought the Rolling Stones were here and it's the monkeys. Like, I thought that was hilarious. They all look the same, you know? Yeah, they do. All, all these, these long-haired, mop-top yeah. lads. Long-haired weirdos. These girl groups. <laughs> <laughs> so the jet lands and the boys show up and they they shake hands with people through the fence and like run up and down the fence and girls are screaming and there's one shot of like this kid he's probably like 11 years old up at the top of the fence face <laughs> right beside the barbed wire like he's right there <laughs> and uh and and there's there's screaming we want the monkeys and all that stuff and it almost sounded like they took this stuff and put it in head for that part where they're like, give me a W, give me an A, give me an R. That -hmm. whole screaming, we want the monkeys thing. (laughs) 
Yeah, they, so similar. They use their own crowd noise for other purposes throughout the, the second season, and, and just, you'll see. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, <clears throat> so the boys jump in the limo, and there's an older dude sitting there reading the paper or something, and they ask if he's waiting for the monkeys, and he says, "I'm waiting for Elvis." You waiting for the monkeys? No, I'm waiting for Elvis. And then the motorcycles zip them away to the hotel, and that's like the first scene essentially. Mm-hmm. But then, like, um, Bobby Hart starts talking, and he says the first ever monkey show was in Honolulu on December 3rd, 1966. Hey. Which, 10 my, years was... later, Mr. <laughs> Jeff Cameron was born, waiting for his backstage pass to that monkey show. He's it's too just, late. It's not a coincidence at all. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, uh, after they got back from that show, Mike said to him, he's like, we're bigger than the Beatles, and I can't even play the guitar. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he said the first tour was six days or it was the last six days of 66 and January 1st and 2nd of 67 he said it was D- Denver, Memphis, Louisville Salem, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati Nashville Ooh. and Tulsa wow so they pretty much stuck to that southwest corner yeah. of the United States but uh, yeah, cause it's the winter time yeah Sounds yeah. like they're mostly in uh, warmer spots. Yeah, they knew what to do. They they knew better than to go. We're, we're starting in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Peter, in his commentary at this point, he says like this was the only show where they weren't playing the starving musicians, but were like real mm-hmm. performers. And that uh, some people would say they're still just playing performers <laughs> at that point. <laughs> and he says uh, they flew in on a Learjet, looking real cool. And uh, there's a you catch a glimpse of like Ward Lester and all these names you see at the beginning of the show. Mm. You can, they kind yeah. of pick them out throughout this. Mm. And he says because there's four of them, they couldn't all sit in the back of the limo, so one of them has to sit in the front, riding shotgun every time. <laughs> <laughs> what a bummer! I wonder who always got that seat, <laughs> or if they switched it up. In Mike's commentary of this part, he says that they sounded like a garage band, but people wanted to see them live. So they put together a show with David Winter. And uh, Rafelson said that they needed to film it because it's so crazy after he went to the mm-hmm. first couple shows. Mm-hmm. So the show was about starving musicians, but then they'd get to play these big concerts in real life. So it's such a weird juxtaposition that Mike, it is. Was, you know, cause in his Mike way, it was just like such a, an a yeah, observation and, of it. Yeah. And this, this episode is like, it's really them. It's them living through it and kind of reacting to it. And it's, it's really, really them. Yeah. And it's so cool because I don't know, obviously, uh, television at the time, but something like this, like it's like a mini documentary of this thing. It is like there's no preset for this. Like we could say, oh, now oh, it's like just a little rock documentary. This is like uh, whatever the year punk broke or something. Yeah. This is just like something just. But nobody did that yet. Yeah. Sergeant Sergeant Pfeffer's not even out yet. This is like still early on in music and bands as cultural force, not just uh, sock hop music. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I think it also kind of shows, like I'm really glad they had this just to show that moment in time of like, look at this is what was going on with these guys. And like, mm-hmm. when you think about the whole thing, like they're, they're filming the show, they're making records and they're touring and it's just like, holy man, like these guys were busy. <laughs> they were yeah, not. And it was a good instinct by Rafelson to say, okay, we got to get the 16 millimeter cameras out. We're going to yeah. shoot some shit. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And even the way it's cut, fast cuts, 
like yep. all that kind of stuff. It's a it's it's cut like the show, and they put in the sound effects and yeah, they did. Yeah, they do they do some stuff. Yeah, it's it's very interesting and very awesome. I have to say. So then it goes to the next morning, and none of them are happy to be up so early. It's the morning, man. What can I tell you? <laughs> rock is, stars. Yeah, rock stars all of a sudden. I bet they had to be up early anyway for the show, but uh, <laughs> they're not at the show anymore, so they don't want to be up early. No. Uh, you cut to, like, Mike is doing his hair. He says that people always wonder why he uses all the products that a girl would use. The thing that's odd is everybody laughs at me because I use all the preparations and all the things that a, that a girl uses. I use it on my hair, too, you know? Brushing it this way, brushing it back that way, putting stuff in it. Um, Davey's unimpressed at what time it is. He just walks by yelling that it's so early. Some of you people are very yelling, man. It's a drag. There's general mayhem in the hotel, in the hotel room. It's like the three guys. Mickey's not there. There's a couple girls sitting there. And Mike, he pours his orange juice back in the thing and then spills it everywhere. And he just like gets up. He's like, I've got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just, I like that part. <laughs> and, and you could tell they're awkward about being on camera but not being on the show it's yes a, it's like they don't know how to not be the caricatures of themselves in front of cameras yeah. but they're trying to not be but it just leaks through plus there's girls there so they're probably showing off to girls and yeah, they think they kind of have to perform exactly a little yeah but but D Caruso ain't feeding them the lines <laughs> exactly you're on your own let's see how you swim now fish <laughs> First thing I would have wrote was real talent. <laughs> is there any truth to the rumor that uh, D Caruso is is the Dark Knight himself, Batman? <laughs> I am Caruso. <laughs> the Caruso signal goes up over West Hollywood. Somebody needs a rewrite. <laughs> Let's put it on Carew's control. <laughs> I'll punch up your script like I'll punch up your face. Shut up. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. D, thanks for thanks for stopping by. I didn't think we'd hear from D today, but there he was. He works his way in. <laughs> I'm in every corner of the show. <laughs> I am. So that they tell Peter they've got to call Mickey to wake him up. And you can see, like, Mickey's totally passed out in bed. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care at all. And then uh, there's a part where Davey's playing with this swan. Mm-hmm. He's, like, crawling around with the swan. The swan's, like, in angry mode. And Davey's really taking a chance there, I think. And and, and one one thing, when Davey's crawling away from the swan, he's, like, in his jeans only or whatever. Yeah, that, yeah. that boy's ripped out. You can see like his abs and everything. It's like, holy moly, Dave, you should wear a shirt less often. <laughs> his upper body wear has gone missing. I think the swan may have got his, uh, what you, what you got, Davey? She's got my jacket. And, uh, and so Bobby Hart in his, in his commentary, he starts talking about how his band, his and Tommy Boyce's band was called the Candy Store Prophets. <laughs> and they were they got to open for the monkeys and play their backup band for their solo sets. Mm-hmm. So it's like Tommy Boyce, Bobby Hart, a couple other dudes. And um he said that the monkeys got free food when they went on tour, but the backup yeah. band didn't. So mm-hmm. Davey would sign all of their bills so they could eat what? for free. So what a guy. What a guy. What a 
What a guy. Yeah. And and he also said Davey was the first one to realize the monkeys weren't getting paid extra for concerts. It was just within their salary for the show, which is crazy. He says the first time the monkeys made money was in 1986 on concerts. Mm. That's the first time they actually got paid for concerts, which is crazy. (laughs) It's crazy to me. But yeah. um, well, this, some contracts are structured weird, and especially theirs because there's band on a TV show. They're they're actor performers acting yeah. as a band on a TV show, and that's probably how their contract was structured. And any activities therein, performing vis-a-vis the monkeys, uh, you get here's part of your job that you're getting this X amount of dollars for, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So I wondered, like, was I guess Rafelson and Screen Gems were probably making some money. And maybe someone um, had to be, yeah, the record label, perhaps. I don't know, but yeah, it's very interesting. And in, in Peter's commentary, he says, like, Oh, there's a, a couple girls in that hotel room. He's like, I wonder who those girls were. Like, he has no idea why they were there, who they were, but they're Superfluous just superfluous sit- birds, yeah, yeah, just sitting on the bed. And then Davey goes after the actual bird, the swan, in a, in a weird <laughs> twist, and um. So Mike, and in Mike's commentary, he says that he didn't know how to act like himself when he was on camera because the lines were getting blurred between Mike Nesmith, the Monkees TV show, and Mike Nesmith, the Monkees band. Mm, yeah. Which, which we were, yeah, we were saying, which is pretty, which would be very weird. Mm. And he also said they had to take over the entire hotel whenever they went on tour because they had this huge entourage and all these people and all the fans. And so they had to learn the songs from TV, but they're also writing their own songs because music yep. was so important at the time. So I, I couldn't imagine how busy these guys were, to be honest. And he said, then that, that led to recording headquarters because they were, because they were, had to learn these instruments anyways, they're writing their own songs, but then they weren't yeah. allowed to record their own songs. And we all know the story there. And then pow, headquarters comes out. And he says like, yeah, the monkeys were a pretend band that became real, which, yeah. which is exactly what it was, which is crazy. So we cut to, uh, and that Mickey's outside now signing autographs. He's just surrounded by kids. And then at one point, he's just like not signing anything. He's just like in the air, just signing back and forth. It's just because people just keep putting a piece of paper in his hand. He signs it. They take it away. Signs it. They just... Yeah, he's just trapped in the automated autograph zone. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then they go to, to ride horses. And Davey asks for a rough horse. And the guy's kind of like, uh, like, no, no, he's a jockey. He knows how to do this. Don't worry about it. I'd like a nice rough one. He's good. He's been a jockey. And you see Davey on the horse, and he just knows what he's doing, as we've seen in many episodes, Davey riding horses, or several episodes. And and, and Peter makes jokes about the horse's hair. Like, oh, your hair's almost as long as mine. Are you a boy or a girl horse? Ha, ha, ha. What do you think of the long hair styles these days? My goodness, your hair is as long as mine. Are you a boy or a girl? Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) That kind of thing. And um, Davey asks his horse if he's ever wanted to ride a person. I just want to ride you, man. You know, you ever wanted to ride a person? <laughs> Which is funny. It almost seems like an earnest moment with Davey and this horse. Because Davey obviously would definitely have a, a connection mm. with horses. Because yeah, he was yeah. a jockey for so long. So he knows how to talk to them and stuff. But mm. it was pretty funny. <laughs> and then Mickey, uh, he's wearing like, he's not even wearing boots. He's wearing like his little moccasin things. <laughs> and then you see him afterwards putting band-aids on his feet because his feet got all chewed up from the horse stirrups. And Mike is not there. Mike is not no, riding yeah, horses. Not there. He's at the mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> he is. He's walking the wrong way on the escalator at the mall. And, um, and so Bobby Hart was saying like he couldn't get into the Denver show when he was on tour because no one knew who he was. But then by the time they got to play Toronto, which was like in 67, early 67, they had like Lear jets flying them around and yeah. he, he, everybody knew their whole entourage. So he said, yeah, from the first show to like the 10th show, they'd become like an actual live staple band. And it was people were getting knowing who they were, which is crazy. And then Peter, the only thing Peter says in his thing with this part is, uh, where did Nesmith go? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Which is kind of, it, at first you're kind of like, oh yeah, where is, having all four of them together is very rare in this. Yeah, because uh, I don't know if Peter even points out, he's not at the radio station for the radio thing. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. See, they, they, they're so good at these illusions, <laughs> you don't even notice. <laughs> so yeah so they, they go to this radio station and the coolest coolest thing is that they roll up in the monkey mobile like the oh, monkey mobile yeah. got flown there driven there and they, that was a uh, neat sequence when they're busting out the monkey mobile yeah like that part of the yeah story. it's coming up it's weird it, does, it doesn't play in order essentially but yeah just could you imagine just being there to see the monkeys and they roll up like in the monkey mobile it'd be like oh. that fourth wall just crashed down it's like oh my god <laughs> this is crazy and uh so the boys like take over the radio station and Mike and Mickey have like a little shtick about like Collins and he says like his chickens are all sleeping and they won't wake up and they're all cold and hard and Mickey's like, well, sir, your chickens are dead. Every morning I get up about 7.30 and wander out into the yard. There I notice that several of my chickens are now laying on the ground cold and stiff with their feet in the air. Could you tell me possibly what is wrong with them? <coughs> Mr. Crutchlow? Mr. Crutchlow, your chickens are dead. <laughs> and here again, they use the, uh, the theme within the show. Yes, yes, they do. That's true. Then Mickey goes out and he's like rolling around on roller skates with fans. And he sets up like a football game with a bunch of like little teenage dudes. <laughs> and um, Mike helped. This is where they show Mike helping get the monkey mobile out of the truck, like backing there it up and go. putting the ramps down and... Man, to see that thing roll out of the back of a truck would be just the greatest thing. For real. And I hope, hope we buy it one day. I hope this, this podcast takes off and they just give it to us for doing oh, yes, such a good job. That's how these things go. Like, you guys did a good job. Here's the monkey mobile. It's, you know, it's a sponsorship, right? <laughs> so then they go zooming around in the monkey mobile. And then at a mall, Mike is there and he's like, he kisses a mannequin. <laughs> And he walks the wrong way down an escalator and all kinds of stuff. And then it cuts to them on motorcycles, like these like mm-hmm. Yamaha motorcycles. And at one point, Davey does this like wheelie, essentially slides off the back and is holding on for dear life. And it flattens out. and He's on his stomach riding this <laughs> motorcycle through the dirt. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But also, man, they're doing pretty big jumps with these motorcycles. Yes. Not just like skimpy little jumps that I'd be doing. These are like real high in the air jumps, which is amazing. I think uh, Davy's jockey training and being able to hang on when, <laughs> when you're losing your horse. I think it came into play here because he's just clinging to that thing. Yeah, if it was Mickey, his like floppy moccasins would have got caught in the chain and his <laughs> pants would have got ripped off or something like that. 
man. <laughs> Hilarious for other reasons, I guess. And so with this whole thing with the fans, Bobby Hart saying that at one point during that this show, I think, he started he feared for his life because they let the fans in this room and they just like crushed him against the wall. <laughs> and he said like he, he couldn't breathe and he was he was scared. And uh oh, he also says this was one of the highest rated shows from either season, this mm-hmm. Monkeys on Tour one, which is uh, interesting. Secretly because uh, ABC and CBS were running reruns that week. No, nope, so there you go. The Monkeys were the only game in town because it's like a 30-second episode. They've, uh, I think they went long compared to most oh. shows. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it also comes back to one thing we were talking about was this. this obviously wasn't on the original show list at the beginning right. of the season, right? So this is probably stuck right. on like, well, let's just put this on. The only reruns will probably get better ratings and blah, blah, blah. And it will shut some people up who say they don't play their own instruments. For real, yeah. Which I think was probably the biggest the biggest thing. Um, so yeah, they say the, the, the boys, Bobby Hart was saying that yeah, the boys had like cameras on them this entire time for these couple of days, constant, mm-hmm. constant. The L.A. production team flew up to San Francisco and they couldn't believe Monkey Mania. Like they couldn't believe how big this fake quote unquote band actually was. For real. And uh, Tommy Boy said to Bobby Hart that it should be them up there. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we write the songs. Why aren't we performing these songs? (laughs) Valid argument, I guess. Um, And then uh, Peter was saying that they, they love... They love to take over radio stations when they come to towns and it might be their best, their greatest skill. And and while he's watching it on the commentary, you just hear Peter giggling a whole lot, just watching them do their stuff. And then um, he says that, that Mickey needs the roller skates to get away from the fans. And that's why he's wearing roller skates so he can get away faster. <laughs> and um, one time they got away from security and got swarmed by girls, like just on the street. And they had to run into the back of a cop car and ask the cop to take them back to their hotel. <laughs> Like they just saw a cop car there, like a, a bastion of safety and just jumped in the back seat. And that uh, Honda gave him all those motorcycles. He said he wasn't sure oh, if it was yeah. those ones they're riding, but Honda did give them all motorcycles, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then Mike also talks about taking over the radio station and how it, it, it made them excited for the shows because they're in there doing their thing and playing records and getting calls yep. and that kind of stuff. And he says for sure. It was probably a neat way to connect with the local fans. Yeah, exactly. Like getting, they were getting a little show in their town with the monkeys that was just clearly just making shit up on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> but having a lot of fun with it and hopefully winning over some new fans too. Yeah, yeah. And also it was funny because they uh they, they they cut to the DJ and he's like tied up with a gag in his mouth on the floor. <laughs> At one point, which is great. Mike also says they love bringing other musical acts on the show. Like when he brought in Frank Zappa and all, all that other kind of stuff. And he said the first season, the public was enamored by the monkeys and loved the monkeys. But by the end of the second season, this backlash has started to to, to take over. Uh, and he said, because um, the girl I know somewhere is playing. And uh, he says that that was an attempt to write a less country song. Because the, the label didn't want country music. So he wrote The Girl I Knew Somewhere as a, a, a less country tune and everybody played on it. It was a, it turned out really this well, is, he thought. This has been on a lot. Did it play, uh, did it, uh, has it been four shows in a row with The Girl I Knew Somewhere? Oh, maybe. I don't know. 
could have but been. it's a song they recorded in the headquarters sessions maybe this is why there's we talked about it in a couple episodes ago that girl i knew somewhere they don't have a performance piece of them wearing the shirts playing mm-hmm. the song because they just recorded it like during this time during the early headquarters sessions because it's davy on the drums peter on the keyboards it's like uh one of the first monkeys playing the monkey song so this song didn't exist when they were shooting the show itself, but it did when they were like putting the episodes together. Yeah. 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 And it also probably helped them push headquarters or whatever and be like, Hey, look, yeah. here's more, and more just, stuff. Hey, it's us dudes. It's us. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's always a good song. It's always good to hear it anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can get it. Too. Love that too. <laughs> so, uh, Mike talks to a girl on the air. Like he actually brings her in. To talk to her, like in the uh, in the studio. Yes, you really found out that none of us could play a note. And couldn't carry a tune in the bucket. Would you hate us? No. No. Why, why is that? Well, because you're putting people on pretty good. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Mike says she's 18, but she looks like she's like in her she's oh, late 40s. Yeah, she does not look 18. I thought that too. He's like, we got this little 18 year old girl here with us. It might have been like the receptionist at the radio station. Who knows? <laughs> Like it's the, it's the radio. They won't know what you look like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just sound younger. <laughs> and um, well, but also you're going to be on TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's a shot of the marquee. It says January 21st, the monkeys and the Harlem Globetrotters, <laughs> which is like I, I assume the Harlem Globetrotters went on first, <laughs> and they would just like do basketball stuff. Unless they also had a band and they're up there like Sly Stone. Started out as a band. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't paying the bills, so they started playing basketball. But yeah, so then they show the arena and it's packed, super packed. And you see the boys getting ready. And it's almost like you can feel the nerves of it, like them kind of pacing around, getting ready. They're putting like on like foundation or whatever, so they're not shiny on stage and stuff. Yep. That's where you see they're, they're TV guys <laughs> and then musicians. <laughs> And so they they have the big Vox speakers that they then open up and they jump out of. Boom! And it, it, I always think that's cool, them jumping out of the yeah. speakers like that. That's pretty rad. And um, so uh, Bobby Hart was saying that the Monkees look like seasoned performers from the beginning. Like they might have, th- they were the first band to use like rear screen projections and video mm-hmm. on stage as well. So they were saying. Yeah. He would always say that Mickey always brought the house down with his James his James Brown impression doing the Ray Charles song "I've Got a Woman," <laughs> <laughs> which is it's funny to see when it does come up in a little bit. And here's where Peter says this concert had eleven thousand people, and the biggest they ever played was eighteen thousand. But Mike says that there was twenty thousand people at that show. So, who knows? I don't know. Have to check the stubs. <laughs> <laughs> Peter was saying at one show, a girl jumped over all the security and landed on Peter and she, she just wouldn't let go of him. <laughs> and they had to like pry her off of Peter somehow. Oh man. And he said, it felt like they're always in a tunnel. Like they're in a limo to the stage from the stage to a limo, to a plane, to a hotel, to a limo, to a stage. And he said, it was just like one long thing, yeah. exactly the same all the time, which you hear a lot of bands talk about. Absolutely. So Clarksville starts. Sounds good. Sounds really good. Actually. And uh, Mickey's playing the drums and singing. They play Sweet Young Thing after that. Sounds really awesome. 
Um, and the montage of the live stuff is great. Like fast, fast cuts, getting a lot in there, making you feel the, the energy of the show, which I really feel is a, a great move for the editors and for everybody to really pump that up. Because I'm sure we've talked about this before, but like the super fast cuts and that stuff wasn't around a whole lot at that time. And these guys really, were doing yeah. it in the show. And then with the live performance cutting that fast too, I thought it was really, really, really sweet. There's Mary Mary. It's kind of cut up. They have a bunch of antics, Peter and Mickey. And, and you can also, this is reminiscent of the Monkees Live 1967 disc. Yes, totally. Yeah, the Mary Mary part. And then Mike puts his hat on Mickey's head. And then uh, he intros Peter for his solo set. <laughs> right, then uh, Peter was saying that they, they, in 66 and 67, they came out of the big Vox amps. But in 97, he says that they would appear, all the smoke and stuff would come and they'd come up from like under the stage. Like it was a magic trick kind of thing they were doing 30 years later. And then Peter lays out the dream lineup from words, like the words video from a couple episodes ago with like Davey on drums, Mike on bass, Peter guitar, and Mickey's the front man. He's like that. If we were a real band, quote unquote, from the beginning, that probably would have been our setup. Yeah, for sure. So that was cool to actually hear someone say that. And Mike says that playing in arena is a really strange feeling. Because you can't see anything or hear anything. It's like they didn't have a regular sound guy because they're from a TV show. So they would use the local sound guy wherever they were. So he's trying to mix this stuff to be heard. And he said it was, it was often really hard to hear. Yeah. From I think they overdubbed the lead vocals for this. Like the, the actual, you couldn't hear the vocals because of all the screaming. So they had to I thought add that in some too. stuff later. But yeah, no, I agree. I, you could tell at some part, parts it was a, uh, you couldn't hear anything at all. And you just <laughs> kind of see them and hear something kind of in the background. And then these vocals would kind of sneak in. So that was nice. Hey, Monkeys fans. Because this episode is so long, we've had to split it into two parts. So this is the end of part one. But we do have a special honorary slip-in segment to go into the Randomatic Countdown. So here comes that. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you next week. For a, a special, because it is the last show of the season, we're going to do, uh, and because I think by the time this airs, we'll have the uh, little theme jingle ready. Yep. We could do a couple honorary slip-ins. Where instead of just drawing the songs at random from the Wool Hat of Mystery, we pick out a couple tunes that are outside the hat, which contains the album songs and the singles, but B-sides, outtakes, whatevers, that's what the honorary slip-in is for. Therefore, today, we're each going to pick a tune before we get to the hat and pop it into our randomatic countdown in a less-than-random way, but it's how we give props to the lesser-known tunes. Yes, this is a, the deep, deep cuts for the deep, deep fans. Yes, yes. <laughs> Would you like to go first today? Oh, I could go first. I I will say I, I had a couple going, and I wasn't too okay. sure where I was going to go with this one. Okay. So I'm still, I'm up in the air, but I'm going to go with one because we'll probably do another honorary slip in at least one more, probably twice for next season. So I'll save one. Early, or yeah, we're going to do a bunch next season. Yeah. yeah. So I am going with a Mike Nesmith tune. It is on Missing Links Volume 2, If I Ever Get to Stagnaw Again. Oh, snap Daisy.
If I ever get to Saginaw again A locale that's somewhat off the beaten track It's not even one of my like most favorite Mike B-side kind of songs. But when I think of it, the whole song unravels to me. Like I I know the whole thing. It just comes right back to me. Mainly because that Missing Links Volume 2 is hands down the best Missing Links, I feel. And uh, I, I think you're right. I remember when I found that record, first it had Valerie on it. And it, it, it had this, it had so many other great songs. And I just listened to it like crazy, crazy, crazy. And uh, so this is a song that's um, just burned into me. And, and, and one of the things that, that hits me with this song, there's a, a line where Mike says, oh, what's the line? Something it makes me hurt or something like that. And in his voice, you feel the pain. You feel the pain. He's like, yeah. makes me hurt. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, oh man, that's, that's, that's heavy. Who gave her love and made me hurt. And when you find you, This is like a Glenn Campbell tune in, this, like, in the way that it's like a, sort of a country rock run-on sentence about your experiences with the city. Yeah, exactly. Specific to a city. And... Um, and yeah, it just puts the pictures in your mind, and it's like it's a great Mike song, like a like a like a signature Mike song almost. Yeah, even though it is obviously a lesser known one, but uh, yeah, that's a good call, Paco. Where uh, where would you like to slip it in the old uh, randomatic countdown? Let's put this one between Magnolia Sims and Oklahoma Backroom Dancer at number forty nine. Okay. It's a good spot. Yeah, let's do that. Quite the mic zone there. It really is. <laughs> it was rumored that I was going to select a shitty tune in order to bury it in the jellies. However, I decided not to do that because we're still pretty early in the honorary slip-in game. So, uh, you know what? And also, it's kind of episode appropriate. Uh, we're going down Cripple Creek. Ooh, nice. Well, I married a wife in the month of June. Married her up by the light of the moon. We live down on Cripple Creek. We've been down there about a week. I'm going down to Cripple Creek. I'm going on a run. Going down to Cripple Creek to have some fun. Going down to Cripple Creek. I'm going on a run. Going down to Cripple Creek to have some fun. It keeps coming up. It's a great Peter moment. The fans love it every time it shows up. It's true. And, um... It's just a good tune, and uh, due to the nature of the monkeys, there's not a ton of Peter on here. So any chance I, we have to uh, get another Peter tune, especially one as beloved as Cripple Creek, and you know he clearly has a good time playing it every time. Definitely, it was just on the show. So hey, yeah, that's that is let's a good put one. Put it in there. <laughs> I, I would also say uh, for me. I obviously I saw it in the, in the episode when I first saw the episode, but I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. And then when the live '67 album came out, and it yes, was essentially yes. this tour, and it Peter has his little moment. He sings "Cripple Creek." That was the first time I was like, "Oh, look at this!" <laughs> so no, that's a good call. Yeah, Where of course, you... on our pool, our pool it live special, it makes an appearance. Yep, <laughs> it kind of saves the day. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Yeah, when he plays it in that in that club at uh, the Poolit thing, that crowd goes off. <laughs> For real. It it and again, like Mike said, 
you don't expect this to be the song the crowd is going to gravitate towards, but they always do. Yep. It's the banjo. People are always down on banjo, but when someone who's good at banjo starts playing, people are like, damn, that is good. <laughs> people are always impressed with the banjo. <laughs> so anyway, Cripple Creek, going in the countdown. Where do you feel this should end up? How about... How about between uh, As We Go Along and Tomorrow's Gonna Be Another Day? It'll end up being number 40. Okay. Unless you think that's a touch high. I think maybe uh, Tomorrow's Gonna Be Another Day is a touch high, now that I look at it. Yeah, but, uh, I agree. But yeah, no, the ones around it... Yeah, no, that's a good spot for it, I think. All right, let's pop it in. Like I say, it's definitely a below as we go along, but mm-hmm. it can definitely be above. Well, it's going to be another day. Boom. Sneaks into the top 40. The top 40, Cripple Creek. So that wraps up part one from Monkeys on Tour. Thanks so much for sticking with us. and We look forward to next week to wrapping up season one.